hello and a very warm welcome to Wine Blast. Now, this is a sort of season finale. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of season finale. We don't like to be too definitive here, do we? It's a finale of sorts in that we are drawing the third season of Wine Blast to a close, Mm. but this is a special episode which comes with bonus bits. I like the sound of special. Special always works for me. Bonus bits do too. (laughs) Yeah, we like to deliver. So 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 here's how this is going to work. This episode is all about putting together wine and food, something Mm. we all like to do, but which can get surprisingly complicated and I'd say also pretty controversial at times. It's true, isn't it? It does get controversial, Mm. bizarrely Mm. so. Mm. Anyway, we're going to get into all that stuff very Mm. shortly. Mm. Now, this follows on from a previous episode, The Magical Science of Taste, with Professor Charles Spence, in which we talked about multisensory perception and how everything around the wine, from Mm. glasses to music, also our brains and senses, and even our microbiome, I can't say it, biome, 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 Biome sounds microbiome. Microbiome. You've got a biome. And anyway, even our microbiome influences what we simplistically term our taste or our reactions to food and drink. Yeah, yeah. So we talked a bit about food in that one too, didn't we? With, um, we did. But, but I think what we essentially did in that episode was start with the basics. Yeah. And we looked at some of the latest thinking around just how our perception and our sense of taste mm. works, mm. the the gastrophysics as it's known. Yeah. So that episode, if you like, was the hors d'oeuvre, nice. the canapes. Nice. nice. Yeah? And that would make this episode... Well, that would make this episode the starter, starter. the grand opener oh. to this feast of food and wine. Because in this episode, we're going to focus on actual food and wine matching, mm. why it's controversial and why we think that controversy is just way overhyped um also why this subject can be complicated but how to make it easier and more fun Mm. with the help of cheese can't go wrong with cheese cheese always helps cheese and special guests even better Mm. and we're also going to explain you know why we're qualified to talk about this subject in any sense um Mm. and share our absolute top food and wine matching tips Mm. and then after this episode we'll follow what you might call to carry on the restaurant meal analogy the main course which will come Mm. in the form of a a tasting menu if you like Mm. in other words a series of short form video pods each focusing on one dish and one or two wines to go with it right so and those are the bonus bits that will follow on from this episode absolutely absolutely we'll sneak the odd one in before the start of our next season and then more will follow once we get going on season four Mm. but before we get started in earnest uh, we've had a question from one of our lovely listeners haven't we Mm. and it is as follows Hi, Susie and Peter. This is Jonathan from New York City. I'm a huge fan of your show. I have a question for you that has been stressing me out for the past few weeks, and I don't know where to turn. I recently bought a new wine fridge, and I've been aging some of my treasures in there. I set the temperature at 10 degrees Celsius, but I put in my own thermometer, and I've noticed it fluctuate to as low as 6 degrees Celsius and as high as 16 degrees Celsius. In your professional opinion, how harmful are these temperature variations? Am I ruining my wine? Thank you. Thanks for your question, Jonathan. It's a really interesting one. Um, The first thing I'd say is to check back in with the manufacturer or whoever you bought the wine fridge from, because to my mind, that doesn't sound quite right. You know, these things aren't cheap and a good wine unit should absolutely maintain a relatively constant temperature. That's the whole point of having it, really. Um, It may be malfunctioning or not installed properly. Or frankly, it may just be not good enough. Um, 
either way, it's well worth checking, I think, mm, and that's I the think, first point. Yeah, and, and as for how harmful the temperature variations are, it really depends mm. on how quickly they're happening. Um, we've got a bottle store that was an old garage that we heavily insulated, <laughs> and that does have pretty significant fluctuations, yeah. but they happen seasonally, don't they? Yeah. Um, so from summer to winter. Mm. I mean, you know, it's not ideal, but the, the fact that the fluctuations happen slowly is much better better than if they're happening over the course of a week, say, or, or you know, even a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we do make a point of not keeping wines in there too long. Um, if we want to do that, we have a, a Eurocarve wine fridge or we store our really nice wines in bond with a, with a merchant. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right there. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's that you don't want the fluctuations that, to be too regular. Um, that's what harms a wine's development in bottle you know it can speed up the aging artificially or compromise the seal have loads of negative effects so you know the idea of course is a regular 10 to 12 or even sort of 10 to 15 degrees so you know Jonathan, you're not exactly massively outside that range so i don't think you're ruining your wine here but it is worth checking um and maybe you know it could be a good excuse to try the odd bottle one of your treasures to check. I'd, I'd suggest doing checking your white before a red, just to check mm. that it's not evolving way too fast or things aren't happening that, mm. are, that are bad. Mm, and those treasures do sound pretty tasty. Do, um, on which note, back to our main theme. Mm. Now, we have featured some food and wine stuff on the pod before. Mm. Uh, we've talked about wines to go with things like curried meatballs oh. and sausage pasta, homemade mm. pizza, mm. monkfish curry, uh, sausage rolls, miso beef, cheese straws, even fish and chips and pork pie with chutney all of those i'm drooling here i'm drooling can't believe Um, we've done all of those actually (laughs) i know it's it's weird isn't it when you look back and you think crikey i know i also seem to remember fooling around with um what was it sweet chili crisps and and ice wine dosed never to be forgotten sparkling wine from canada (laughs) yeah yeah and did we not also do a weirdest food and wine pairing survey we we, do you know what we did we did what did we feature yeah we we did feature things like um Prosecco and Twiglets, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, fra- frazzles and Amontillado, just going Lots on Lots of that. crisps. <laughs> there was a lot of, yeah, you sort of, you know, snacks. Um, although I think uh, Rod did throw in uh, Zweigelt and Zebra. That's just, remember. no, that's, no. did we no, have to we, remember that? I was trying to forget which that. Which we have no, tried that's, that's to forget. Really, then there was that, that really peanut weird. butter and salad cream on toast with Australian Chardonnay. Do you remember that? I love that. If Both I wasn't, simultaneously low and high yeah, point. If I wasn't, if I wasn't <laughs> allergic to peanuts, that just sounds incredible. Uh, there was yeah. also Jelly Deals. I think our favourite was Jelly Deals, wasn't it, with Lonson? champagne yeah yeah in a west ham pub not sure about that that. anyway fond memories fond (laughs) memories anyway i think didn't you promise also that you were going to road test those weird matches but have never done so Um, shame on you yes is there a sequel here shame on me i accept all that shame and i and i sign up wholeheartedly to the sequel Mm. Anyway, worth checking out the archive for those. Mm. Recipe and wine pairings are all on our show notes at susieandpeter.com forward slash podcast. Yeah, and if you want to, you can use the search function on there. You yeah. just, 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 just type in zebra. <laughs> Don't say Sorry, Stop it sorry. on the We're zebra. moving on. We're moving on. Please. Anyway, I think it's fair to say this whole subject is one we love, as you can probably tell. Uh, we're fascinated by and which we are constantly learning about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just something we do all the time, just for fun. And to learn, putting up, putting wine with food and taking an interest. You know, mm. it's, it's it's definitely a subject that that requires an open mind. Yeah. Um, and of course, the food and wine, but but not much more than that, frankly. Um, and I think we've been lucky enough to build up a fair amount of applied experience over the years too, haven't we? You know, trying lots of wines with lots of food and, and dishes at different times, different places with different people. You know, and in all kinds of just 
adds up in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, it it does indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, But I mean, thinking back, I reckon... I reckon this interest started quite early for me, um, even mm. before, even if we go back before getting into wine professionally. Um, I was an actress initially, but I also worked in restaurants and pubs and hospitality, which, you know, all actors do, don't they? Yeah, but you did it before um, you were I, I did well, it didn't you? really from being, you, you know, from, grew yeah. up yeah, basically yeah. with this. Mm. Um, and food and wine were just on the table all the time. I mean, not not when I was tiny because my parents were not wine drinkers but generally as I I worked in hospitality always food and wine food and wine obviously and I loved helping people find a wine that worked for them and their food and I just think I've always loved it yeah And and then you know pretty much as soon as we started working together in wine Lots of the stuff we did was just around food, wasn't it? Mm. Um, you know, those early days of TV shows we did, like um, Great Food Live. Yeah, Food Uncut. Yes, um, Taste, um, The yeah. Big Eat, Market Kitchen, yeah. all these shows. You know, a lot of that was was about putting wine in front of an audience that was, let's face it, you know, primarily interested in food and encouraging or helping them get as excited about the wines as the food. And that was a challenge, wasn't it? Putting wine very much in the context of food. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And then, you know, when it then came to Saturday Kitchen, which was the Abusey One show we presented on for, gosh, 12 years, was it in the end? Something like that. It's a good good decade. Um, You know, a lot of Saturdays between us either way. It was. And that was a similar thing, but maybe taken to the next logical level. You know, take a dish, which might have come from one of the best chefs in the world mm, yeah. you know find a delicious affordable wine to go with it and explain as simply as possible why it works mm. and repeat yeah. and that really seemed to go down well didn't it yeah, it, it really did and, and doing that show was a total privilege wasn't it um we well, learned a lot yeah because because we had to you know really look at very specific dishes that we would not normally have, no, have ever it tasted took us completely out of our comfort zone and it was fantastic for it. You know, it's just particularly how, how just putting wine on the table with food made it so much more accessible and relatable for people. You know, we get so many people saying over the years, we, thank you, you know, for making wine approachable and simple or, or just telling us how much they'd enjoyed the wines. Yeah, and I, I actually, to be fair, the impact was pretty clear. They weren't just saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. from the wine sales that yeah. we, we used no, to talk absolutely. to lots of supermarket yeah. buyers. And, yeah, but there was that one yeah. recommendation of yours, wasn't it, that yeah. crashed Majestic's website. Yeah, I think everybody's, and everybody think, knows about that one. I think they sold out, didn't they? And the website had its busiest trading period ever up yeah. to that point. And I think they had to order something like 30,000 more bottles from, mm. from advanced sales. I mean, yeah. But know. I think one of, the, one of the key reasons I think it, it worked was that we didn't just recommend recommend wines based on theory or or a hunch you know yes that was good as a starting point but the way we did it was look at the recipe and Mm. line up a whole bunch of wines that we thought might work across a range of styles and then actually cook the dish and try the wines with it together yeah and then and then we just have a big old argument wouldn't we a robust discussion i think (laughs) We'd never argue. Mm, yes, never. Okay. I'll, defer, I'll defer. Didn't necessarily agree, but um, you know, <laughs> essentially, you just tell me I was I was well-meaning but wrong. Yeah, and uh, in many ways, not true. Definitely not true. It was a discussion. Anyway, in all seriousness, that was one of the most important parts of the process. So, yeah, yeah. if only one of us liked to wine with a dish, that was okay. But the wines we ended up choosing or recommending were the ones that both of us liked mm. and they were pretty rare yeah, were. you know it's yeah. quite rare mm. to get just a, a great match but our theory was if it could satisfy both of us with the same dish it was more likely than in studio and yeah. with anybody buying the wines and cooking the dish 
for other people to like it too. Yeah, this is true. And, but, and that's what we tend to do with our wine tips anyway, isn't it? You know, they come yeah. with that double endorsement, if you like. Um, but th- this is the thing, you know, tasting wine is personal, isn't it? You know, and it's the same with food. So you put both together and you increase exponentially how personal that reaction is likely to be. So it's not a straightforward science, is it? No, and I think this is where a lot of the so-called controversy stems mm, from. Yeah. You know, this this pet peeve yeah. of wine people. And and it is almost always wine experts who bring this up. It's very rarely normal wine drinkers. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that food and wine pairing is a load of nonsense or it overcomplicates things and puts people off. Mm, mm. I mean, quite often they're, they're saying that, you know, there's too much written about yeah. this in a piece <laughs> They're writing about it, <laughs> yes, I was, which I don't I, quite get. I was reading one article recently by uh, Alder, yeah, is it Alder or Alder? Uh, no offence, no Alder, idea. but, but uh, it was called Food and Wine Pairing is Junk Science. You know, a real clickbait headline there. Mm. Uh, he calls the supposed, and I'm quoting, the supposed rules and principles of wine and food pairing, he calls them a sham of epic proportions and says it's pernicious, pretentious, preposterous mm, yeah there we go yeah. is that shouty enough and there are lots of examples of this kind of thing out there aren't yeah, there really, you know? they really are and i mean it's so sad we see them so regularly and well, every time we see them a little part of us dies inside. well but also of course there's these you know often well mostly they're written by intelligent good writers mm. and there's an element of truth to what they're yeah, saying uh, absolutely you know sometimes these rules around food and wine matching do get overcomplicated and I think people can easily feel intimidated mm. yeah, sure, you know sure. as you've said and and as we found out with Charles Spence food and wine is a personal thing so you're inevitably going to be on shaky ground issuing hard and fast sort of do's and don'ts mm, mm. but you know what we've also found through things like Saturday Kitchen is that food is actually one of the best gateways into wine which yeah. is what you were yeah, just yeah. saying really and and a tool for learning more about wine but what works well is not just dealing in generalities, there are exceptions to every vague rule. Mm. So instead, you know, honing on the specifics like we did with Saturday Kitchen. Yeah, but you, and you move from start there. somewhere, don't you? And starting with generalities is one good way of doing it. If you know roughly the ballpark, you stand a chance of finding something good yes. that's going to work for you. You know, yeah. so there is a there is a purpose to the generalities, even though there might be exceptions to rules. But you, you know? then need to really but then hone, hone in on, on the specifics. specifics and hone in on you. So yeah, mm. I, you know. If you talk about wine like just another ingredient or side dish or condiment on the table, I like that sort of idea, mm. you know, that actually takes the pretentiousness out of it you know, and actually helps it make sense for, for, for most people. Yeah, That's I mean, I think that there's a lot of choice in wine, isn't there? And food can actually help make that a bit less intimidating. Mm, exactly. I mean, in all honesty, it's just another way of recommending wine to people. Yeah, yeah and that's our job, isn't it? Help Through people food. find and enjoy better wine, you know. I, mm. I also... <laughs> No, I also think it's just a bit rich for for wine people who will happily devote hours, days, you know, years of their lives paying minute attention to, you know, choosing exactly the right wines and discussing them ad infinitum. And then, you know, to then slate the idea of spending a bit of time trying to find out how to maximise your pleasure from putting the right wine with the right dish, you know. It, it's slightly bonkers. It doesn't mm. make sense to me. And I think it's slightly sad. And, 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 and you know, that's all it is in the end. It's, it's, it's a sort of devotion, a dedication to pleasure. That's mm. all we're talking about here. You know, that reminds me of, of the time in our a new champagne episode when I asked Jean-Baptiste Le Caillon, who is Louis Roderer's cellar yeah. master yeah. and maker of Cristal Champagne, what his favourite food and wine pairing was. And here it is. Scallops, carpaccio uh with with crystal with with a young crystal of um, 10 year old it's just sublime you get this saltiness 
singing and, and the acidity of the crystal playing with the texture and the so the iodine the, the the sea salt it works so well you know and uh, this is always very exciting because why I like it so much is because it, it brings me to a higher level of happiness because it's very alive you know it's very alive it's uh, there is a bit a bit of the sea a bit of the of our white soils as well and this is uh, this is maybe the perfect life you know to be somewhere it's quite a perfect life to me that one yes I, yeah scallops yeah, yeah. scallops and cristal oh. who who can love that <laughs> just, just I, 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 I won't i won't talk about caviar and cristal which is a very good match too <laughs> <laughs> okay so caviar and cristal or carpaccio of scallops and cristal may sound more than a bit pretentious. Just, just, um, just slightly more. <laughs> but equally, what he says is spot on. You know, why he likes this it, it, is that it brings him to a higher level of happiness. I think you should do that in a French accent. Uh, no. Higher. It brings me to a higher level of happiness. So. Oh. He feels, you know, it's the perfect life. Like, it's great to be alive. Well, gosh, who doesn't want to feel that? So Mm, surely there's no better summary of why it's worth spending a bit of time finding the right wine to go with the right food. You're absolutely right. You know, Jean-Baptiste, nail on the head again. Happiness. Happiness. We we, we spend so much of our lives eating, Mm. don't we? So so making that experience as pleasurable as possible is a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. I mean, why wouldn't you, if you could, and you were interested, as most of us are, you know, why wouldn't you do that? And, and wine is just one extra way to do that. You know, so saying it's all rubbish is like saying, I don't know, um, recipes are rubbish. You know, why follow them when you can just make it up? Um, you know, no rules should apply. So you, so just make it up. You know, of, of course you can. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to. But equally, if you do follow a good recipe well, the results can be sublime. Yeah, and if you've got a nice bottle of wine or are cooking a nice dish, it's worth that extra bit of thought. Mm, you can yeah, go yeah. experimental, you can go personal, but either way, it helps if you have a rough idea of the context so you stand a better chance of ending up with a delicious experience at the end of it. Charles Spence summed it up really well. And it is those sort of potentially transformative or magical experiences that you might get by combining wine with food or wine with music that uh, are really intriguing. That's what we're aiming for. Ultimately, food and wine pairing should be fun. It should be something you can take a gentle interest in, you know, every day if you can, always thinking what works for me and why. Um, It's just about pleasure, sort of elevating the everyday, you know, the pursuit of happiness as Jean-Baptiste Le Gaillon says. Absolutely. So in a bit, we'll be coming on to some of our top food and wine matching tips. Note, tips not rules. <laughs> and the reason we feel qualified to do this is a lot of, expl- of, of applied experience and, and two different perspectives. Yeah, so we've mentioned the food TV we've been lucky enough to do for lots of our professional lives. But, we, you know, we've also, for example, co-chaired the What Food, What Wine competition, you know, finding wines to go with staple dishes like curry and fish and chips and apple pie. That was fun wasn't it? And hugely educational. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we worked with some amazing people on that one, you know, like mm, Gerard yeah. Basset, Ronan Sabin, Fiona Beckett, Christine Parkinson, yeah, and food writer Joe Pratt, yeah. who worked, worked up all the recipes for us. And we also cooked up some brilliant food and wine challenges on the palate, if you remember, yeah. the, uh, the competition that we judged to find the UK's best amateur wine taster. That was lots of fun too, and, and messy as well. Uh, <laughs> it's important to be messy with this sort of stuff. You know, <laughs> and, and, and I remember back to our, you know, our cheese and wine sessions at Wine Festival Winchester, the stuff of legend, 
you know, always He says so modestly. Much fun. Well, you did them more than I did, frankly. I was saying, where's the Susie sure. session on with the cheese and wine? Oh, no, no, that's so not true. Oh. I think this is one of the important things here. You know, a lot of our food and wine experience over, I don't know what it is, 20 plus years, mm. don't really want to think about it too much now. You know, they've been directly in front of or aimed at everyday wine drinkers and lovers, not wine professionals or experts all the time, you know, and it was the same at the BBC Good Food Shows, wasn't it? You know, which we did for quite a few years too. Mm, were... Well, I'm not, I'm not sure that Sarah Millican and Chris Evans are quite your everyday <laughs> wine drinkers. Yeah, we, I mean, yeah, fair enough. You know, we did get to work with lots of lovely celebs, but, you know, they were fun to work with. And it wasn't just aimed at them, of course, was it? Even though they were tended to be very nice about our wine choices. But, you know, the point is that I reckon that most people are interested in food and in pleasure. Um, and our job is to help everyone maximise that pleasure via the medium of wine, you know, using the benefits of our experience. Basically. All those nights with 20 bottles on the table and a lot of washing up to do afterwards. Oh, such um, hard work. OK, so we're going to come on to that uh, in a bit a bit more of that soon. Um, tasting wines with cheese to illustrate yes. some fundamentals mm, of food and wait. wine matching. But first, we're going to hear briefly from Elizabeth Kelly, a fellow master of wine, who not only has a keen interest in wine and food, but also buys wine for Majestic and the Wine Club. I started by asking her what her favourite food and wine match is? It's fish and chips and a bottle of champagne or English sparkling wine. It's just such a good match, isn't it? It's such a good match. I think sometimes, you know, you, you don't need the most all cuisine kind of meal. Sometimes it's just about simplicity and a really good bottle of wine. And how would, just, just to go a bit deeper into that, how would you, why would you say it is such a, a good match? Um, well, obviously you've got lots of fried food there with the fish and chips um, and then the acidity from the champagne really helps cut through but there's a lot of kind of quite rich flavours from the frying and I, I guess champagne well champagne is obviously quite a rich complex wine from all the aging that it's had. What's your guilty food pleasure and does wine come into it? Um, okay at the end of the week when I've been tasting wine all week I'm, I'm probably actually going to more reach for gin and tonic instead of wine. Sorry, it's not. It's a gin and tonic <laughs> pairing. Um, and they probably go with a big bag, like a huge bag, like the family share a bag, but just for me, lime Doritos and salsa and a gin and tonic. It's probably my guilty pleasure. Now, we love putting wine with cheese, as many people do, of course. What would you say is your favourite wine and cheese match? So... Lots of people pair red wine with cheese and I, I think often it doesn't go as well. And so I am much more likely to pair white wine with cheese. I think something like a white burgundy, especially if it's kind of from the south where you've got more fruit and it's there's a less new oak to it, goes with quite a wide selection of cheese. Um, but then I also really like something like a Alsatian Pinot Gris, especially with those wash brine cheeses, you know, just a touch of sweetness to kind of balance um, but not over the top or like I love camembert and maybe like a Normandy or Breton cider with it is absolutely perfect that sweet and salty combination and do you have any particular food and wine matching tips um, I think it's always good to start with what you like just because a wine is supposed to go with a particular food it doesn't mean that it's going to be right for you if you're not a big fan of that style of wine um, but I think it's kind of thinking about the most basic components. So how strong is the food you're having um, and how strong, uh, how, you know, um, full flavoured is the wine. Um, it's good to have the same level so that, you know, one isn't overpowering the other. Um, and thinking about this kind of structural components. Um, obviously, there's also regionality, um, which, you know, 
food and wine from a local area often goes together because they've kind of come up together. I think it's finding that perfect complement so they each, you know, improve the other. It, it's not you're having a food that makes the wine better or wine that makes food better. It's like a perfect marriage. I think I, I totally agree. And it's, it, I, remember, I, I was sitting at the weekend and we had some very old reef salt that we had some left of and, and we were from a special birthday and we were drinking it and I'd made some sticky toffee pudding with them, like a clotted cream. And I just remember sitting at one moment and and tasting the clotted cream and then tasting this reef salt. And it was on another, it took you to another level. You know, when they go so well together and you just think it stops you in your tracks, um, even at the end of the night, uh, it can be really quite extraordinary, can't it? So some people say food and wine matching is nonsense. It's a waste of time. Uh, Just drink whatever you like with whatever you're eating. What's your view on that? You know, if it's just a casual evening in and you're only going to drink so much with dinner, then I think that's fine. But if you get the right combination, then it really does lift both the wine and the food. I don't think that it needs to be, you know, strict rules exactly about what goes with what. Um, But I mean, obviously, everyone wants the best experience from what they're eating and drinking. So kind of working and looking towards those really classic pairings, I, I, I think just lifts the whole experience. And how do you go about selecting wines for the Wine Club by Majestic? Um, We look at a theme for each quarter that we're sending out and then we work with producers that we really know are an expert in that area. Um, We kind of sit and think about if it's a specific country, what we want to show, you know, maybe a mix of classic wines, but also new things that different producers are doing so we can really show both the tradition and kind of new wave projects in that country so that customers really get a really great diversity of products and understanding of of what that country can offer. Um, We we taste hundreds of wine each time to narrow it down to 12 wines per case, um, six wines to the top case. Um, But yeah, it's really looking for diversity, um, the highest quality and having a story so the customers can really get to grips with what that country can offer. You're a master of wine, Beth, and you buy wine for Majestic. What's the best and worst part about your job? So the best part is um, obviously, I think the thing that most people think I spend all my time doing, which is tasting wine and traveling and meeting wonderful producers, getting stories from across the world. Unfortunately, that's probably only about 10 or 15% of the job. And the other 85% is spreadsheets. But I mean, it, it's it's a great job to have, despite the excessive amount of spreadsheet uses as a buyer. Um, but but it is always interspersed with tasting um, and really finding great wines to bring to customers, which is always really exciting. When a product lands on shelf um, and, and you get feedback from stores about what customers have thought about it, it really makes everything worthwhile. Beth, thanks so much. It's been really lovely talking to you. No problem. Thank you. Fish and chips with fizz. Uh, totally on board with that, of course. Uh, mm. I just add the beach, I think, as the yeah. extra condiment. Uh, and of course, if it's Sunny an English beach. beach, then it really should be English fizz. You know, maybe a blanket or two as well. <laughs> Fire. Windbreak. <laughs> but as for the June tea and lime Doritos, oh. I mean, we, we need to check that out. Crisps and wine is clearly a whole other dimension of food and wine matching. It, it keeps coming up. It really is. Isn't it? Do you remember when we did that survey? Talking about fizz as well, you know, in, in, I think it was a Christmas 2020 episode. Um, 
about what everyone would most like to eat with their sparkling wine. Um, and we got some brilliant answers, didn't we? I yeah. think crisps definitely crisps. featured heavily. Um, but then also we had things like fried chicken. Mm. Things like KFC. KFC. Uh, something like someone mentioned a bucket of dirty bird with a good biscuity dry sparkling is a match made in heaven. Gotta love that. Oh. <laughs> Even popcorn. That was, that was the thing, wasn't it? Popcorn feature, didn't it? I yeah. think we had a truffled popcorn with aged blanc de blanc. That's high, that's high end, isn't it? Popcorn. It is this. high end, but I love the idea. I think love that all idea. this is in, in season two, episode four, Dreaming of a Wine Christmas, that's if you it, want to check it, yeah. that out. But I, you know, there is something in all of this. Yeah, I also like the way Beth said that, you know, start with what you like and how it's all about getting the best experience for you and exactly what you're eating and drinking, mm, that, yeah. you know, this is key. Um, but getting it right does elevate the whole experience and, and clearly works as an effective antidote to spreadsheets. Yeah, we all need one of those, don't we? I'm not sure how many spreadsheets I tend to do. No, about you, but, but, I'm but not a spreadsheet I think the world person, would benefit really. from an antidote. I need more spreadsheets, do I? No, spreadsheets. no, I need more um, It was also interesting to hear her take on, on preferring white to red with cheese, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, because that is very much our experience. We're going to come on to that now, in fact. We, we are, we are. Let's do we, it. Totally, because we've, we've got, got a mini, here. mini cheese board here and a oh. selection of wines. Um, mm. Very much your average podcasting table, I would say. So uh, so you'll forgive the bumps and bangs <laughs> and the munching and slurping, even worse. And, and we should say, actually, that if you're keen mm. to have a go yourselves, this is a really interesting quick tasting to do in terms of food and wine. It really is. So what have very, we got? very instructive. So we've got this, this plate here with we've got some goat's cheese, hard cheese, brie style, and a blue. We have we have tasted before, but we've got some cheese here again because we're yeah. hungry and, 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 and we love uh, we're, we love we're double cheesing. Cheese. Um, I have to say we bought almost all these cheeses at the amazing deli at the Newt in Somerset at oh, the yeah. Newt Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not going to get distracted here, but um, but it is of relevance to us wine lovers because it's owned by the same people as own Babylon Store and Winery and Hotel in South Africa. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the newt, yeah, the, the newt, newt in, in Somerset. Somerset. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Anyway, on with the tasting. Um, yeah, so, so go on. So come on. So cheese is, when you think about it, it's about a few key flavours and textures. Acidity, um, saltiness, mm. fat. Yeah. You know, and the, the main flavours are sort of quite creamy and buttery and lactic, if you like, and sort of salty, aren't they? Yeah. And when you actually Depending start slightly to, on the cheese, yeah. Yes, start to think about those flavours and textures they have much more correspondence with white wine than with red wine. Yeah, but people often automatically serve red wine with cheese because that's sort of the traditional thing to do. It, it is, isn't it? And also, I think, partly because maybe people have red wine open at that stage of the meal. People tend to serve cheese at the end of the meal. It doesn't yeah. always have to be the case, but that's often how it yes. happens. Um, but, you know, what can happen is the tannins in red wine can react really quite badly with those key flavours and textures I've just outlined. Um, and, and that's not, it's not, there's nothing worse than a really... You know, a, a red wine with cheese that just doesn't go. Uh, the flavours can just jar so much. So this if is it's a the wrong, yeah, really wrong. good example of relatively simple food, which brings us all a lot of pleasure, where a simple sort of adjustment of our thinking and approach can make the experience so much more pleasurable. Yeah. And just to say, the, the wines we're going to recommend now are all from Majestic. Right. So so we're going to start with the first one, the yeah. goat's cheese. So this yeah. is a goat's cheese. So we've got goat's cheese, soft white goat's cheese mm. with Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Now, this is a classic match. Um, what you've I'm, got I'm, here... I'm just eating it while you're talking. You are. We're going to do vice versa, aren't we? So, <laughs> you've, mm. got, you've got freshness and you've got flavour. So the cheese here is creamy, but it's yeasty. It's savoury, a little bit salty. And what it does, mm. and there's that chalky texture, and what it does, if you've got... Well, we've got a Sancerre, haven't we? The Chateau de Crescency Sancerre 2021, which is 17 at Majestic. Mm. Um, so we've got a Sancerre. So Sancerre can be quite... 
Oh gosh, it's, it's not not expressive necessarily, is it? It's quite a subtle style of wine. But what the what the cheese does, it it really mm. allows the fruit in the wine to come out. So the fruit in the wine then offsets the savouriness and the saltiness and the yeastiness of the cheese. Yeah, and you can do this with New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc as well. Other sort of styles, you Sauvignon Blanc, can work well. Chile, South Africa. Yeah, and it just sort of you know, it's sort of. Finally, what works for you? It's the, the it's that acidity in the wine that is cutting it's, through the creaminess of the cheese, yep. and the cheese is allowing the fruitiness of the wine to come. And also, out. the acidity, the freshness is key because it just yeah. cleanses the palate. Yeah. So we can so, see why this is a classic match. Historically, it a is, classic match. But it's match. not very well known. Uh, but those who do know it, you know, yeah. Crottin Sauvignon with Sancerre is absolutely classic. And what I would actually say is, you know, if you're going to go for, say, a New Zealand Sauvignon, it might be better with um, perhaps, you know, a goat's cheese salad where you've grilled your goat's cheese and you're getting even more sort of unctuous flavour out of it. Sort of almost more pungent style yeah. of cheese or, or, or yeah. different kind yeah, of yeah. Interesting. So okay. I've passed the Moving cheese on. over to you. So I've this is the next one. It's a hard now. cheese. Oh, mm. I love, I am a massive hard cheese mm. fan. For mm. me, it's mm. the ultimate. Now we've got Gruyere here, but uh, we could be doing it with, with cheddar or anything like that. We could. Uh, and There's something nice about Gruyere or Conte because they're quite fruity. Yes. So, but this is matched, hard cheese. We match it always with an oaked white wine especially mm. a good Chardonnay that's been oak-aged. So why is that? Well, think about a ploughman's on the plate. There's often a, a, you know, a slice of apple alongside that cheese. And that apple works really well with the cheese because the acidity, again, refreshes the palate. And it adds just a, a layer of apple fruity flavours on top of that that oaky, um, uh, so, sorry, the the, the 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 nutty cheesiness, which works really, really well. Um, and then you get those sort of creamy, nutty flavours from the oak, which just pair perfectly with the flavours, those sort of nutty flavours of the cheese. You know, this also works interestingly with cheese gougere, doesn't it? Cheese gougere yeah. with sparkling, again, traditional method sparkling wine, where you get those sort of nutty, creamy, uh, yeasty yeah. flavours working really well in tandem. So what um, I would say here is, you know, that with the goat's cheese, we've got a contrast. With the hard cheese and the wine that we're putting with it, we've got more of a match. Mm. And you can do either. It doesn't matter. There but here, are, this works well. Yeah, there are you know there are different ways. This is sort of demonstrating different ways of food and wine matching. Exactly, and the wine we've got here is is actually you know I said a, a, an oaked white wine. Actually, we've got here a a white Rioja, which can work really really well here. This is the Marques de Latrio Dos Cepas Blanco de Guarda, twenty nineteen. Um, this is a blend of Viura and Tempranillo Blanco, <laughs> aged in French oak, actually not American. Now this is a wine uh, which we should flag up, which is from the wine club. Uh, by Majestic, the, the Grand Tour case, which is £199. Um, so, so this is the posh, highest level the of The highest case. level. And this is really lovely, sort of nutty, creamy, yeah. classic white Rioja in that sense. And it's, it's a sort of seamless, creamy experience with the cheese, isn't it? Yeah. With just enough acidity to refresh the palate. But as you were saying, it's not so much a contrasting match, it's a complementary match where the two just go so seamlessly and harmoniously together on the palate. Really, really lovely. But we've also actually got a, another option as well, which you liked, didn't you particularly, which is the Saint-Varin. Uh, yeah. from Burgundy. So a white Burgundy, um, south of Burgundy, which actually is quite sort of apple which adds that apple flavour in here, yeah. but also a creamy texture, which works well with the so green texture. So this is um, sixteen ninety nine from um, Majestic. It's the, the Haute Cuvée. I don't even know how to say Riquette that. Rouvée. Rouvée. I don't know. Um, uh, anyway. French, Oat, 2020. Oat um, but yeah, so what we're essentially saying here is, is a characterful, nutty, oaky, white so it could yeah. be burgundy it's yeah. probably quite likely to be a chardonnay but that works yeah. really well with a hard right, cheese. Style to eat the brie your time so about. so we've now got a brie style cheese with a light red mm. um which again is 
a brilliant way of a brilliant match and mm. um, so the brie style it depends on the age of your brie really because you know some of them brie can taste pretty neutral you know it's creamy a little bit yeasty but it can be pretty neutral and you can then go through to a mm. much more pungent still yeasty but really quite yeah. sort of pungent and funky aged brie style yeah. however we tried both didn't we, we? Did. and we've we've got them here now Never and scrimping. we found we found that um we, we've got a burgundy a red burgundy which is no surprise at all a definition haute coute de nuit 2017 14.99 from but Majestic. the key here was brie style with yeah. a light a light red, red. and pinot does mm. tend to work well why does pinot work well pinot has got an earthiness a gaminess a sort of a a foresty floor kind of character that works well with this kind of slightly Earthy cheese. Yeah, it's also, but this one's got a bit of age. It's twenty seventeen. Um, I think yes, that helps it as well. Wine, but also, yeah. I think the key thing here is that it's not too much tannin. I think it's the tannin that reacts mm. sometimes with the, the proteins and the cheese, and it just sometimes doesn't quite work. Um, so you know, this one is low tannin, but lovely, good flavour intensity, as you say. It's quite an understated match. It sits underneath the cheese yes. and just sort of complements it, like almost like yeah. a little dollop so, of uh, chutney. So this is neither really a contrast or or a match. It's just a wine that sits happily with this cheese they're sort of like best friends they just sit next to each other very happily both doing their own thing but actually complementing each other best friends as a concept isn't it so that um okay didn't we, if we haven't mentioned it before is 14.99 yeah. you could go for a new zealand pinot which we tried as well yeah. that can be a bit, bit more flavorsome and intense a flavor you, you, what you don't want is, is one of the really dark dark fruited ones mm. you know with lots of intensity i think you want a new zealand so if you're going to go new zealand or you know it could be chili south african you want something that, that's still on that red fruited character and earthiness yeah, yeah. so that's a, i mean that's a difficult match that one i think mm. those brie stars especially the mature ones are really because it depends cause, how mature it is yeah, doesn't uh, yeah, it so we had the baron around baron, baron big god uh, which is a um, brilliant english cheese and yeah style, and we'd let that age for quite a long That's, time it was pretty yeah. funky wasn't it yeah. but still that wine made a really good match it did so on to our final match i'm going to pass the cheese thank plate you, over, thank back you. over to you this is blue cheese um now not actually my favorite style personally but you know, when it's good, I've got into it. You've you've made me right. You said that here, didn't you? I, I the times me. I spend trying to think of something to cook that hasn't got blue cheese. You know, I think, oh no, it's got no, blue no, cheese. No, I'm in. coming around to it now. Yeah, good, you know, good, right? You really heard good. it here, everybody. So, anyway, blue cheese, sweet wine. Okay, and mm. it works. And 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 here's why. You know, you can go sort of tawny port, but sweet wine we've got a sauterne here what happens is it's mm. a brilliant it's almost like the goat's cheese match it's it's a contrast the sweetness of the wine offsets the intense saltiness and intensity of flavor of that cheese and they contrast but they they work it's just beautiful so this is the Castelnau de Sudbior 2014 half bottle is 12.99 but it's really just rich and unctuous and, and gorgeousness it's it's as sort of the chef Tom Carriage might say, it's proper lush. It's definitely lush. Um, yeah. It's got that sort of peachy apricot, um, candid orange character that you get from a great, great Sauterne or any of those great mm. sweet wines mm. um, that are similar. And um, and I think, you know, we're, we're talking about you've got to get the intensity of flavours right here. So your cheese is really mm. It's Dorset Blue Vinny, isn't it? Dorset and it's Blue got Vinny, yeah. proper blue character. It's got creaminess. It's got saltiness. It's punchy. And you need a wine with as much intensity because otherwise it would yeah. just blow it out yeah. of the water. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's matching fire with fire. But yeah. it's absolutely, it's a sumptuous classic match. Well worth. And again, mm. all of those four things, 
you can see how the dynamics of those flavor pairings work and they're really well worth trying. But you know, of course, all of this is great, but most sensible people will say, hang on, I'm not going to open four bottles of wine <laughs> just for my cheese board. Fair enough. Uh, you may have them open on the table if you do kudos to you, if you've got all those <laughs> styles open on the table at the end of the meal. But, you know, if you, Susie Barry, were going to recommend just one wine style yeah. to go with the whole cheese board, what would it be? Okay, so, yeah, so this is interesting. And, and you know, I think some people are sitting probably at home thinking – why has nobody mentioned vintage port? And, mm, yes. you know, for me, it wouldn't be vintage port, but simply because it's not my favourite style of end of the night kind of drink or cheese board yeah. drink. So, it works, but it's almost a little bit too much. It's a bit, I mean, vintage port, I think you should just enjoy it by itself. It's, yeah. It's, it's complex. It's a, it can work with blue cheese, it, but I think with other cheeses, it wouldn't. It's just overpowering. Where, yes. It's just... Mm, there's just something about it that that doesn't quite suit a whole cheese board. Oh, so what I would yeah. go for, if you're thinking of the whole mix of cheeses, you've maybe got some chutney or a bit of yeah. fruit there. Yeah. You might even somebody might want to be eating some nice dark chocolate at the same time. So I would go for a whole cheese board. None of the ones we've mentioned. I would do tawny port, although you did mention tawny port at one point, but not we've matched it. Tawny port. Or a reef salt ombre. Again, that yeah, kind of aged um oxidative, nutty, raisiny. raisiny. So it, it's almost like a version of the chutney. It's a bit spicy as so well. So a sweet, fortif- well, sweet um, oxidatively aged, yes. sort of brown type brown, dessert yeah, wine. Yeah. It's not crazy heavy. It's not heavy. too rich. You know, don't start no. putting a, something like a PX you're right. It. You're absolutely right. It, it's almost, You can almost think of the wine in that sense as just the chutney yeah. on, 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 on the and cheese in, plate. You know, if you've got a few walnuts on your cheese plate as well, again, yeah, the case so, so you're, you know, yes, it's going to slightly blow the goat's cheese out of the water, but as a whole, mm. it'll be fine. Just have a smaller sip. Yeah. And if you've got it on a little cracker and you've got a bit of chutney and all that sort of stuff, it, all right. it'll all work really, really okay. well. All right. There we go. So I think I think we should move on now yeah. to uh, our top yeah. tips uh, so, when it comes so, yeah, to, yeah. to food and wine matching. Um, important to preface this all with a disclaimer that, you know, you can take or leave these tips, please. You know, we offer these pointers in a constructive spirit, but ultimately it's up to you to judge the mood, the company, the conditions, you know, and what works best for you. So think of these as nothing more than friendly suggestions, you know, mm-hmm. themes to experiment around to find what works best for you and yours, you know, like with the wine and cheese. But general rules, as we said, are a good starting point at least. So here are top tips. Are you going to you going to kick us off? Okay, number 1. Come on. Two Ps. It's personal. Be persistent. Mm. Find what works for you. And keep going from there. It's a journey that never ends. Consider mm. it I, an investment in your bank of pleasure. God, we're getting philosophical, right? I can. This is like the Dalai Lama announcing it from the top <laughs> of a mountain in Tibet. Crikey. Uh, you know, so number two, rule number two, tip number two. Uh, it's another acronym. It's not a rule. Sorry, it's not a rule. Help you to remember. F and W. Of course, it stands for food and wine. But here's the thing. Here's how you remember it. It also stands for flavour and weight. So take your food as the starting point here and the wine should ideally correspond. So a green pepper, for example, is intensely flavoured but quite light in weight. Rice is light in flavour but quite heavy. So try to find a wine that roughly corresponds to that. You know, for example, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc can be flavoursome but not super heavy or a Rhone white wine can be quite rich but actually quite subtle. So think along those lines too. Mm. Okay. 
No, that was number two. That yes. was number two. Number three, top tip. Th- that would mean we're on to number three. Number three, top tip. Fight heat with sweet. Mm. How about that? Do you like I it? I like that. Do you like it? Yes. So basically, spicy dishes like curry, they of course, they're going to be tricky for wine. I think it's pretty obvious. Sweetness will just temper that spice, soothe mm. your palate. Mm. So even though you might taste a wine and think, oh, that's too sweet. I can promise you, if you have a mouthful of curry and then have that wine, you'll go, ah, oh, do you know what? That's it. Yeah, we're not talking worse. about something super sweet here. No, like a soap just, just off a, dry. Know. Just off yeah, dry just Riesling. Of, yeah. um, it could even be a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, because mm-hmm. quite a few of those have a bit of residual sugar. Or a really fruity rosé. Yep. You know, yeah. just something with a touch of sweetness and maybe a touch of spice too. You know, the Gewürztramina idea. Mm, um, yeah, but, I'm you not know, such a big fan of that one. But I know we, you we, don't. We'll discuss that Depends if you like Gewürztramina or not. But, I, I, but I, you I, know, so with your curry, with your spice, you just need that touch of sweetness, of sweetness to round it Think off. Think about, you know, a, 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 a glass of milk. You know, actually, the, the sort of, there's an element of sweetness to that milk. Mm. Sort of lactic sweetness, which calms the, the taste, taste buds down. Anyway. Tip number four. Go. If in doubt, stay local. Mm-hmm. So, you know, local classic matches. Crottin de Chavignol with Sancerre, we've talked about. Uh, beef bourguignon with red burgundy. Why not? There we mm. are. It's right there for you. Oysters and muscadet. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone still drinks those things together, but, you know, they're, they're there. It's, it's, it's just a local culture. You know, tr- maybe more up our, our street, truffle risotto and Barolo. Anyone? Get you. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Up our street, yeah. We we regularly have a truffle risotto in and a my dreams. Barolo, in don't my we? dreams might be more, uh, more appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think you know we know that the food of a region, you know, the wines have have grown up to go with the food of the region, and and therefore it works. Okay, number five, double up on sweetness. Here we go. I'm back to my sweetness again, aren't I? Yes, sometimes. An, a rich cabernet might work with maybe dark chocolate, but generally speaking, the wine needs to be as sweet or sweeter than the dish you're eating. Um, that might seem like too much sweetness, but it's the only way they're going to work because if you have a dish that's too sweet for your wine, the wine will seem incredibly dry. Um, if you don't like doubling up on sweetness, just drink the wine. Who needs? You don't need a pudding necessarily pudding. if you've got a good wine. The sweet wine is your yeah, pudding. That is and then it. The pudding's another pudding. Yeah. Have, have them separately. You get two puddings. There we go. Who would ever, who would ever hate that? <laughs> Tip number like six, kind of penultimate meal. one, because there are seven of these. As with all good things, they come in sevens. Tip number six is drink the rainbow. Don't forget pink and orange. Um, we heard Georgian wine producer John Werdeman uh, talking recently about how orange wine evolved to cope with the typically varied Georgian cuisine, you know, with loads of, loads of different dishes and flavours on the table. Um it can be hugely versatile, as can rosé. So don't be afraid Absolutely. to throw those so, on a table where you're yeah. eating loads of things. Why so not? So we're local again don't with the forget. Georgian, aren't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And finally, feel free to ignore any of these rules if the fancy takes you. Oh. Um, there's nothing better than finding a food and wine match that defies logic. We've done it not very often, but we have done it when we've been doing our Saturday Kitchen stuff, and yeah. it is so much fun. So. Be prepared for the odd disaster along the way. We've had a few of those as well. And never, most importantly, never be afraid to experiment. Find what works for you. Find what works for you and go from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on that bombshell, that's it for this episode. Um, As we said at the start, we'll now be releasing a series of short form pods, each one focusing on a single dish from curry to spag ball and beyond Mm. with a wine or two to match each one. Um, We'll be expanding on some of what we've said in this episode, um, but working, as we mentioned before, from specifics to generalities, from generalities to specifics. But you'll get the gist as we go along. It will just be delicious. So, you know, we would love to hear your take on food and wine matching. Uh, Maybe any sensational pairings you've been lucky enough to enjoy uh, or indeed any disasters 
Almost more fun to hear about. Um, any guilty food and wine pleasures are always of interest. Um, we may even, I don't know, reveal ours along the way. What do you reckon? Why not? Or maybe you disagree with the whole thing. You know, if so, we'd be interested to hear your rationale on that front too. Um, just hook up with us on social media or leave us a message uh, via susieandpeter.com forward slash podcast. As ever, all details, including wines, cheeses, etc., are either on the show notes or on our website. Thanks to Majestic Wine. Do check out their new wine club. Thanks also to Elizabeth Kelly and, of course, to Jean-Baptiste Lacayon and Charles Spence. Remember, it's all about achieving a higher level of happiness. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!